It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to the Untold Story Podcast, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum, and I am really thrilled today to have Luke Russert with me. He's the author of the new book, Look For Me There, Grieving My Father, Finding Myself. And Luke, welcome. Thank you so much for having really me, nice Martha. I appreciate it. It's I said, nice I feel like I know you. I'm sure we've met somewhere along the line. And I I think I met your father once very briefly. I started my career at the Wall Street Journal and at NBC. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone looked up to him in this business. I don't know if, I don't think anyone really has replaced him in terms of his ability to have people on all sides of the aisle respect and admire him. Uh, And one of the things that you write about early on is that you were kind of blown away by the people who lined up for, for his funeral. So maybe we start there, you know, you realizing what an impact your dad had on so many people. Yeah. Coming up on the 15-year anniversary of his passing, and my mom and I were actually in Italy when it happened. We saw him two days prior. We were at the Vatican as a family. And obviously horrific news, just gut-wrenching. Uh, we had a day to ourselves when that occurred to sort of mull it over. And, and we thought it would there would be some outpouring of grief, at least from you know Buffalo and, and D.C. But um, we had no idea the magnitude of the connection that my father had with his audience in, in the country. And uh, I write in the book, you know, a few days later when we're having the wake, uh, I see all these people lined up and the wake was at my high school, St. Albans, was right by the National Cathedral. And I thought that there was some event at the National Cathedral <laughs> and folks said, no, that's for your dad. Uh, so it was, it was absolutely incredible. And I really think it's a, just a sort of testament to his American story uh, growing up as the son of a garbage man who worked two jobs as a garbage man and truck driver for 40 years and understanding what's important to people and the ability of connection and and cutting through the noise and sort of saying hey this is this is what your leaders are doing this is the policies they're they're putting forward um you should be informed about it it's important you know i remember your dad talking about you you were obviously just the light of his life an an only child it's interesting i'm sitting here looking at you and i'm thinking how much you're a combination of your mom and (laughs) um in in your in your looks which is a wonderful thing um, you know, you started after, after your dad passed away and he was 55. I mean, it's, it's 58, 58, excuse yeah. me. Um, the older you get, does that seem younger and younger? It's interesting because one of the things I write in the book, uh, when I made the decision to leave NBC and leave media was 58, uh, it, it, the light at the end of the tunnel seemed like it was getting closer. Now I was just turning 30 and I thought that was old then. <laughs> it's not that old now. Uh, but I think it's a very good question because, you hear 58 and when you're 22, you think, oh, that's really far off. And uh, now as I'm 37 and I'm within 21 years of it, it's almost the amount of time that I had with dad. Is if, yeah. if you were to have a child now, it, it is young. And he really he really was uh, cut down in his prime, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I'm so thankful for the time that I had. But you can only imagine, you know, if, if you'd had more, what it would have yeah. been like. But I think it's also an important uh, thing to say to people, especially Father's Day weekend, is you know take care of your health. 
um, get checked out. And, you know, my father had had a stress test. He had you know, taken decent care of himself, but he ate a lot. And you you got to be conscious of that. And I think that's something that a, a lot of dads could do. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Since you brought that up, I want to ask you, because you said at times that you it made you nervous about your own mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that you would notice something and think is, you know, yeah. do I have that mm-hmm. um, gene or defect or, you know, widow maker heart? Yeah. What is that like for you? Are you worried about that? I think when that happens to anybody who experiences loss, especially in a medical sense like that, uh, it does live somewhere in your mind. I think for me, it was an anxiety. But what I realized is that a lot of that was I never processed the grief of losing dad. Mm. So I would be focused on things and like health or things like, um, uh, you know, that I thought were the core of an anxiety work when, in fact, it was not dealing with actually knowing he wasn't going to be there anymore. And I think with health, what you can do is. A lot of people think, oh, your genes are your destiny. And there's an element of that. But there are proactive things you can do to be healthier. And there's an element of taking care of yourself at a younger age. And I remember my dad used to say to me, he goes, you know, it's, I'm really happy that you you guys, meaning our generation, learned how to eat salads as a young, <laughs> young heir. And so I've certainly tried to do more of that. I'm not a perfection of health or eating well, but I'm always conscious of it. Yeah. So, you know, the book really, I mean, it's about your dad, but it's really about you and your journey, which I found really interesting because I remember right after your dad's funeral, you started as a youth correspondent at NBC News. Um, the eulogy that you gave got a lot of attention. You were so poised and yeah. so articulate. And you started, I think, about six years of coverage on Capitol Hill. You were a Capitol Hill correspondent. Seven right? there, yeah. Seven years. Yeah, eight overall. Um, which I think, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait, where did Luke Russell go? <laughs> You know, here's this young rising star at NBC and all of a sudden he's gone. What happened? I reached a point where it's turning 30. I thought the light at the end of the tunnel was getting brighter. Dad was gone at 58. I lost a close friend of mine at 27. But I would feel unfulfilled and I would have different type of anxieties. You know, the necktie I would wear, it felt like it was strangling me. I didn't really know why I was doing the job. I didn't know who I was independent of the job, my last name, the Washington bubble, et cetera. And I was having these feelings and uh, lo and behold, how the universe works, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. House Speaker John Boehner, I covered rather aggressively, he saw me in the hallway of the Capitol one day and he said, I want to talk with you and come by my office. I said, oh, my gosh. So I thought I was going to get chewed out for coverage. Yeah. Is, as you know, politicians love to do, especially to beat reporters. They want to put. He their, had a nice uh, name for you. <laughs> <laughs> Loudmouth is the more affectionate one. There's another one that that, that rhymes with it and head. Um, but. Long story short, I go by his office and he asked me a very simple question. He goes, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm coming to your office. What do you mean? What am I doing here? You invited me. He goes, no, what are you doing here? He goes, I see people on Capitol Hill. I see people in Washington, D.C. Time's a flat circle. They're here 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They have no idea what they actually wanted to accomplish or why they're actually here. And they don't learn anything outside of the sort of ways of Washington, this bubble. You'd be well served to go out into the world and observe different cultures or learn a skill set that's not this. Just do something else unless this is really what you want to do and then continue 
continued forward. But it seems like you're kind of doing this in your sleep. And I thought that was very perceptive. And Boehner was a guy who had a similar story to my father. And he came from a Rust Belt Catholic family, mm-hmm. was the first member of his family to go to college. They both paid their way. Boehner was a janitor. My father worked as a cab driver, worked in the rectory. Did We've seen Boehner jobs. cry lots of times. And, Boehner and the cries. We're talking about this, this very yes, fat, story, story his, life, his, life story. His, his origin story. So – as a messenger, it was one that really worked for me because I wasn't dismissive of it. I think if somebody else had sort of said to me, like, you know, what are you doing with your life? You know, maybe you think about surfing in Bali. I'd be like, yeah, OK, thanks. Right. But here is a guy who I respected uh, because he was second in line to the presidency, had worked so hard his entire life and had a real good view from Mount Olympus, if you will, at the top and was basically saying, make sure this is what you really want, because I can tell you it may not be that as fulfilling as you think. Did you feel like that was sort of a message from your dad? I think that there's some divine intervention in there. I mean, I think as a as a messenger, the fact that it's a guy who I really respect, I think I don't think that was an accident. I think that there was an element there that was sort of saying, hey, just be aware of this. Because when it happened, I was so shocked. I mean, it, it, you have to go back. I go back to that time. It's in the spring of 2015. And you can imagine it's sort of, you know, politics is all heated up and you're going through the, you, you know what it's like in, in DC and covering politics and Congress is you have the next bill, you have the debt limit, you have appropriations bills, defense bills, blah, blah. Like your headspace is always there in that who's up, who's down. What's going on behind the scenes? Can I break this news? And here you have your audience with the house speaker thinking this has to be related to politics and it's not. Yeah. And that was something that was uh, really, really deeply impactful. And I think it woke me up in a, in a very meaningful way. So you start traveling all around the world and, yeah. and the book is really organized by the chapters of the different places that you went. And along the way, your mom joins you for some of these travels. She's a very adventurous spirit. I love your <laughs> trip. Um, trekking it. It's just fantastic. Yeah. You know, but. I've heard other people say that when you lose someone in the family, it can bring the other people a lot closer. Mm-hmm. What did your grief teach you for your dad teach you about about her, about your mom? It's a great point. Uh, I think the relationship with the surviving parent, uh, the dynamics change for sure. You do grow closer for better, for worse. Mm-hmm. And what I was greatly, uh, greatly appreciative of is that as we grew closer after my father passed, I got to understand who she was independent of the role of mom. Now, it took some years for that. So when I was in my 20s, I was very focused on on the job, working um, the halls of Congress. But when I left and I had some time, we took our first trip together, just as mother and son. You know, I, it was, I was 32 years old, 31, 30, 31 years old before I ever did that. I had gone on countless trips with my father, political conventions, baseball games, basketball games, football games. But it was the first time mother and son had ever taken a trip together for an elongated period of time. And it was when I saw her traveling, because she was a former Peace Corps volunteer in the I saw this woman who was fearless. I saw this woman who was determined. And I saw this woman who I thought was kind of hard on me growing up, always being very demanding. I understood is that that was sort of her origin story. She was this hard-charging, tough, uh, spirited, adventurous woman. And 
dad was sort of more of the parochial Irish, you know, duty bound guy who didn't really like to rock the boat too much because if you rock the boat, then you're going to cause problems. Mom was more of a free spirit. But once I traveled and I saw that firsthand, our relationship got even better because I go, oh, this is where you were coming from all those times where I may have been confused about your motives or, or whatnot. And it was it was really helpful. I should point out your mom is Maureen Orth, for those who don't know, and she's a celebrated writer, writes incredible pieces for Vanity Fair over the course of her career, um, filmmaker who has uh, won awards for her films as well. So she's a highly accomplished woman um, in her own right. The Untold Story continues right after this. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. There are lessons in here for other people who are are grieving and yeah. how, to, how to process the loss of a parent. I lost my mom about uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what are your lessons? What do you want other people to understand about what you learned about, about grieving a parent? Grief's really hard. And I think everybody goes on their own journey. There's no right way to go about it. I think the most simplistic thing you can say is so long as you're not harming yourself or harming others and you're doing okay. But we talk a lot about, do you ever move on? And I think for a lot of people, you they don't move on. And for many years, I didn't move on. Uh, I think we could all move forward. And moving forward, at least for me, took a lot of work. It was a lot of introspection and becoming more comfortable with the thoughts in my head about, okay, dad is really gone. And what does that make you? If your guiding star, this person you love so much is no longer around to uh, help you or to just be a sounding board or to be supportive of you, where does that leave you? And for many years, I didn't think about that. I just threw myself into work and I just say, okay, I'll, I'll figure something out around the next bend about you know what my future is or what I want out of life, et cetera. I want to be focused on this job because that was my father's legacy and I want to keep that alive. And then ultimately I realized when that didn't make me happy, I came to this realization, which is, wait, 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 wait. The last thing in the world this person who I love so much, who loved me so much, would ever want is for me to be unhappy. We would want me to have to carry the weight of their loss for so long. And I think about my father and the conversations we had, and they were always so cheerful and uplifting and optimistic. You know, he was a disciplinary at times, but most of them were optimistic. And so I, it took me a lot of years, but I got to this place of, you know, live your life Take his advice about uh, laughing often and, and, and being honorable and being a good person. But, you know, go, go on the on the path that's right for you. And once I got to that place, I got to a real sense of peace about my father's loss. I miss him every single day, but I wasn't filled with anxiety or emotion like I had been for so many years. And I'm very thankful I got to that place. Not everybody does. But I do think that everybody, whether it's through prayer, through meditation, through self-actualization, whatever you want to call it, I think can get to a place of understanding. So um, I was kind of going through the chapters and then I I realized that you saved your trip to Israel and the Holy Land for the end, (laughs) which was really a a lot of meaning for me because I just returned from there myself. So I... The things that you describe in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the tomb and all of that is very fresh for me. I was just there floating in the Dead Sea about a week ago. So um, welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as 
I, I had questions about your faith. I know you talk yeah. about your father's faith, your mother's faith. They're both devout Catholics. You went to Boston College. These these are all things that are very understandable to me <laughs> from my own background. And I know you have a verse of Luke uh, tattooed on you. So um, talk to me a little bit about your faith and where has this journey brought you in terms of all that and the trip to Jerusalem? So in my travels, I went through six continents, over 67 plus countries. And I it was not my intention to write a book. I was essentially trying to decompress and then find meaning and sort of figure out you know, who, who was I. And what I realized when I was writing the book is that I was doing two things, is that I was searching for something that was to be my own person, independent of dad, but that I was also running away from something and that was the processing the grief. And so when I started the writing process in 2019, there was a voice in my head that kept on saying, you got to go to the Holy Land. You got to go to the Holy Land. You've been to all these places in the world, but you haven't been to the Holy Land. That's kind of odd. I said, you know, you're right. And I was like, I got to go. What better place perhaps to end the book than where everything started or end my own journey where everything started, which is the Holy Land. But I didn't know what I was going to find there. I was just sort of going to do the usual church of the Holy Sepulchre, go to Jericho, go to Bethlehem, you know, what one does, what a pilgrim does, if you will. And if you haven't been to the Holy Land, I, I highly recommend everybody go once in your life. It truly is incredible. Um, some of the most powerful sites in Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are in a place that's like the size of a small shopping mall. <laughs> so it's amazing how, they're, how close together they are, which you don't appreciate till you really see and feel. But I go to to old Jerusalem and I go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre and it's surreal in, in the proper sense of the word, because there you have Calvary Hill, you know, where Christ is crucified. You have the temple, uh, the, the table of anointing where the body was, and you have Christ's tomb. And I was fortunate that it was late in the evening and there was no line, very small line uh, to get into the tomb of Christ, which usually there snakes and wraps around for a long way. So I heard a voice in my head that said, go in there. And so I go into the tomb of Christ and there's an Orthodox priest who gives you 30 seconds and they kind of poke you when, when it's done. And I go in there and I'm having this kind of epiphany of I've gone on this journey, been trying to do so many things with writing or media, but you know, what am I supposed to do? What, what, you know, God, give me a sign. Like what, what is my purpose here? And I feel this deeply strong spirit in the tomb, but all the voice says is, Oh, he heard you. you just keep praying. And I go, what do you mean? Keep praying. No, mm-hmm. that's just the word of the, the mystery of faith, the unknown. Uh, and I won't give away all of it because I'd, I'd like people to read the book. But essentially, after that happens, and I'm a little bit lost walking out of the church and all the shops are closed. But there's a guy on the street and he's selling yarmulkes. And the one that's front and center is a Buffalo Bills yarmulke. And, of course, my <laughs> father from Buffalo is a big Bills fan. And I took that as a sign. And, and I take that and I go to the Western uh, Wall. And, and that's the, uh, there's a good story there for folks to check it out. But um, it was a very impactful place but it's 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 transformative because i think you grow up going to sunday school mm-hmm. you you hear these stories and you obviously ingest them over time but when you see the physical location and you just it it all comes very much alive it and, really does. and it's and very powerful say, it's also close you know you're in capernaum one minute yeah. and then you're um in magdala and all of these places where jesus walked and lived and it's all a very or the Sea of Galilee is an extraordinary experience just imagining 
Yes, the disciples the there, right in there. It's, yeah, yes, yes. It, it is. It's just um, an amazing experience. And I agree with you. I'm, I've, since I got back, I'm just like, you should go. You should go. Everyone <laughs> I see, I'm like, you know, whenever you can, everyone always says the same thing. You know, I do plan to go at some point, you know, if they haven't already been. And so I said that a lot. And then I was finally like, I, no, I was like that year. too. Yeah. And I, you got to push people. And yeah. it's one of these things. It's, there are no words. And that is a cliche thing to say, but I'm telling you, there are no words. It really is worth yeah, it. It really an is. Extraordinary experience. So, so you, there's also a great moment where you talk to your mom and she's like, what are you doing? You exactly. know? Okay. So yeah. it's time to stop. As a mother, I can relate to this feeling. So she's like, what are you doing? And so I guess that's my question now. So now you've written this amazingly successful oh, book, the you. New York Times bestseller. Um, and so what do you think is, what do you think comes next? A mother's intuition. I like that. I like the storytelling space. What form that takes, I don't know right now. The book has been uh, way more successful than I could ever imagine. And it's been um, incredible to see how it's resonated with people. I've gotten a lot of letters and messages and emails uh, specifically about loss. Some people in their 70s and 80s who read the book and said, you know, I lost a parent 50 years ago and these words helped me. So there's maybe something there in that space. Um, I want to go somewhere where I can uh, do something where I can be useful and, and have this real sense of purpose. So I think I, I like being in the communications area, the storytelling area. We'll see what form that takes. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself at Meet the Press? <laughs> No, no, no. I'm very happy uh, watching that from afar. I, I, you know, I think it's a really interesting position now because when my father was there, it there were 24, 31 minute segments where the, you could have a real block of time to have what I think is a real serious, substantive interview. Mm-hmm. And I think the way television has morphed now universally, everything's very fragmented. Things are cut up. It's done more for social media buzz. It's done more for uh, quick turnarounds and whatnot. So um, I, you know, I think in its current iteration, and I say it's meaning all of TV, especially in, in the, on the Sunday space, it's a different time and it's a different environment. And um, it's not one that's very appealing to me, but I think you know, they, they, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Chuck. I think he he has his head on on those, those right shoulders because uh, we, you know having more time with the family is so very important. So you looked all around the world. It occurs to me that you know there's a lot going on right in this country as well. Is that something that tempts you to to sort of spend time? Traveling around yeah. this country. You know, I'm fortunate that with my last job, I've gone to 49 out of the 50 states. North Dakota, I owe you a visit. Might happen this summer. <laughs> and apparently I heard that that seems to be a common thread for a lot of people, that they have a shirt in the North Dakota State gift shop that says, I hit 50. So right. well, I don't right. know why we all miss North Dakota, but apparently it's <laughs> North Dakota. Um, but no, I, I really love traveling around America. I find it to be fascinating. And I think that's something that we often forget, especially in media. You know, we are 50 separate different countries, you know, put together. Um, so yeah, there could be something there. I, I had an experience last summer when I turned in the manuscript for the book and I had a little bit of time and I drove the Dalton Highway in Alaska and I drove to the Arctic Circle and went all the way up to the Arctic Ocean and got to experience a lot of these really rural, interesting areas of Alaska. And I was just fascinated by those stories. I said, okay, I, I, I like this. I'm back on the horse. It feels good. So there might be something there. Well, that's it. Look, we look forward to seeing what you do next. The Thank book you. is really good. I recommend it highly. It's called Look For Me There. 
Grieving My Father, Finding Myself by Luke Russert, who all of us kind of watched grow up over the years. And um, we look forward to seeing what you do next, Luke. Thank you so Thank much you for having for me, Martha. By. Appreciate it. Very kind. Great to see you. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.